0: All right, get your Bibles out and ready. I've been talking about summer of love. Has anybody been putting some feet to this summer of love? Wave at me if you have. I want to see anybody. anybody meet a new neighbor? You met some new neighbors by got by name. Anybody go a little bit deeper, get to know them a little bit? Better? Did anybody have any invite your neighbor like in your yard? Anybody ever play cornhole or something with your neighbors? No? All right. That's for this week. How I many of you know the goal was not that we accomplish it all in one week, but that we set our sights for a great summer of loving people? And last week, I showed you that snake video. I of mean, you remember that snake video. It's my favorite video of all time. The little iguana racing for its life as the snakes try to convert. My point was this. The devil could care less about us talking about loving people. He could care less, he just yawns. But you know, when you, when you have a bias towards action and you begin to move, that's when things begin to happen in your life. So I'm just telling you, if any of you are dealing with like summer boredom or something like that, move, act. Take your faith, put it into practice, go meet somebody, go love somebody, go bless somebody, go share with somebody, write a check for somebody. Watch how God begins to move in your life when you have a bias towards motive, towards movement. I shared last week too, we have been talking about the genius of Jesus. Jesus takes the great commandment, actually he takes all the law and the prophets, boils them down into one commandment. Everybody say one commandment, all right? One commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. Boils it all down, one nice size package. How many of you know that one nice size package has to be preeminent in our lives? In other words, if Jesus said, here's the one commandment that you need to do, we should take take note. Because that means it's really, really important. Here's the one thing you can't miss. Love me. That's why wasn't it great that we had a chance to surrender our hearts today? Give Jesus everything, because you know what? You can't love on empty. If if you're not being full, and if you're not being healed, and if God's not touching you, and if your heart's not full of Jesus, it's going to be very hard for you to even care about touching other people or loving other people. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, when we we get selfish, we get all self-absorbed, we get all focused on our stuff, and we don't even usually think about anybody else that's hurting. But when Jesus fills our heart, I mean, you know, that's the game changer. Jesus fills our heart. That's when we love people. That's when we care about other people. So keep your heart full. Make sure you're spending time in the presence of the Lord. and. We said if we enjoy Jesus first, we'll be able to love people because we can minister out of that overflow that happens in our hearts. So I'm going to wind up this series, which has been immensely practical. Have you appreciated about how practical this has been? This is not like up in the clouds, theoretical, theological. This is like right in our grill. And today's going to be even more practical, if you can imagine, because we're going to talk about a weapon. Another, I, I use weapon in the good sense here, a spiritual tool that God has given us to love people and to impact people for his name and for his glory. And that is the weapon of hospitality. Everybody say hospitality. Say it again, hospitality. I'm going to talk about hospitality because it's not just a suggestion. You know, there's some of you who have an amazing gifting of hospitality. You just make people comfortable being around you. Uh, you're gracious, you're kind, you have like a pound cake in your purse when you walk, you know, you got... You got, you know, coffee pot, you know, cooking in the back, you, you know. I mean, you just, you just pe- around some people and you just want to sit down and take a nap or just, you know, curl up to them and just tell them everything about your life. Everybody know people like that? And then there's people like me, alright? I gotta work, uh, I gotta work at it. Maybe you gotta work at it. But here's my point. Hospitality is not just a spiritual gift. It's a command. I mean, as we're going to see in the Word, it, we're commanded to be hospitable to others. And so let's, let's kind of flesh this out a little bit. I want to talk about two different places God wants us to be hospitable. The first place, obviously, is in your home, in your neighborhood. And the second place is in God's house, right here. God wants us to have... A spirit of hospitality. So I want you to get your uh, Bibles open or you can follow along on the, on the projector. But we're going to go to our first passage here. It's an interesting passage. Hebrews 13 verses 1 and 2. Hebrews 13 verses 1 and 2. It says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Now I just got to ask you a question. Why would we have the commandment to keep on loving one another? Because how many of you know it takes perseverance, does it not? In other words, I shared this last week, please don't be under the false assumption that just because you come to church, it means there's never any challenges or you're never going to have an opportunity to be offended or hurt or wounded or let down. I mean, you know, that, it, it, people that live with that expectation always set themselves up for failure. I mean, you know, the person that's sitting next to you is a human being. The person sitting next to you does not live a perfect life. The person speaking at you does not live a perfect life. How many of you know we're all on evil, even ground at the foot of the cross? We're selfish, sinful people that need a Savior. And uh, and that's we just have to start there. So Paul, or, or the writer here in Hebrews, says you need to keep on loving the people around you right now. I did say this, and this is, this is the truth. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ should be where you find the best relationships on planet Earth. And how many of you know, we that's why we have to keep on loving. We have to keep on pursuing. We have to keep on being the kind of people God's called us to be. So it says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. But look at verse 2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. These folks here are not your strangers. They're your brothers and sisters. He's talking now about people that we've never met before. He says, show hospitality even to strangers. And this last part gets really exciting For some of you have done this, who have done this, have entertained angels without even realizing it. What in the world does that mean? Well, it means you've entertained angels without realizing. But how many of you know, most of us don't have any practical grid for that, all right? I was talking with the gentleman that was helping us on on our I-54 campaign. And by the way, we're going to be breaking ground in a matter of weeks. And and Joe, I'm looking at you out there because Joe, Joe Shara, some of you remember Joe. Joe broke ground. He's a heavy equipment operator. I told everybody in a matter of weeks, I hope to get on a piece of heavy equipment. And I hope to do some serious damage. I, I'm, I'm feeling a surge of testosterone even as I speak right now. I feel hair. Well, no, maybe not. All right, anyway. Um, but but I'm going to knock some stuff over by the grace of God, and I'm probably going to need you to tutor me. I already had Alex sending me emails mocking me about my lack of knowing how to operate heavy equipment. Alex is my one guy that keeps me in line every single week, shoots me the emails. I send him nasty emails back. But anyway, that's coming up. And Christian love, though, of course. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. We're going to dig a hole, and, and then, it, then the fun's going to begin. So you will not want to miss that. We're going to have some great food and everything afterwards. But here's, here's my point. The guy that was helping us with the campaign, he, uh, he and his wife adopted a couple of Russian children, R- Russian orphans. And he told the story that they had a flight to catch. They were in an airport. Uh, uh, They don't speak the language in Russia, obviously. They don't speak Russian. And they're coming dangerously close to missing this connecting flight. He's not sure where to go. And, And of course, the story he tells it much better, a lot more detail. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, two men came up behind him, tapped him on the shoulder and spoke perfect English and said, can we help you? We heard your discussion going on. We know where to take you. So here he, he's turning around, two total strangers, never met him in his life, in a foreign country. And this these two guys proceed to escort him to some remote gate where he needed to be. And he realizes this is where he need to be. And he turns around to thank them and they're gone. Like no, Not like they waited a while. He takes them there they talk for just a second. He turns around to thank them. Gone. He looks everywhere. Gone. Now, how many of you know at that moment when you're on a mission to adopt children in a foreign country and you love Jesus and things need to happen, it's nothing for God to send a couple of cool angels to speak perfect English in a foreign country and take you to a remote gate so you can make your connecting flight just in the nick of time. Now, here's the point. How do you know that those folks that are doing all that are angels? Well, usually you don't know it until something miraculous happens that catches your attention and you realize, I mean, what would have happened if the angels showed up and tapped them on the shoulder and said, we overheard your conversation. He said, mind your own business. You know, that's not cool right there. That, that would be bad. You just were a jerk to some God sent angels. So can you see why hospitality is kind of important? Now, this is not in the PowerPoint projector screen up there, so you're going to have to do some work on this. But go to Genesis chapter 18, and I want to show you a biblical account. How many believe in the supernatural? How many believe there's still angels? All right, Genesis chapter 18. This is an account where Abraham doesn't realize that he has some guests show up that are some very special guests. Look at verse 1, Genesis 18.1. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. That was his neighbor, all right? One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. How many of you know at the hottest part of the day, you don't want to be out, you don't want to be working, you don't want to be doing anything, you want to be chilling out in the cool of your tent? But it says here that Abraham looked up, and he noticed three men standing nearby. Of course, one of those men was the Lord himself, and the other two were angels. How many of you know this was no normal visitation? And I want you to see something about Abraham's character, which is amazing, it says, when Abraham saw them, first of all, he ran. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I hit my mid-50s. One of the things I gave up for Lent is running. All right? I don't even like to look at people running. It, it, uh, and I shared this first service, and there was a lot of guys my age that said, Hallelujah. I mean, this, got the, this got the most response was me not wanting to run. All right? Uh, running hurts me in places all over my body. All right, Mike, you feel that yet? If not, it's coming, brother. Receive it in Jesus' name. All right. There are places where I got aches and pains. And I mean, you know, Abraham was no spring chicken. Abraham is knocking on 100 years of age. It's the heat of the day. And the Bible says he pulls up his robe and takes off running. This is a serious brother right here. He's running. Look what it says he does next. This is incredible. He ran out to meet them, he welcomed them, these are strangers, he bowed low to the ground, and look at how he referred to them, he referred to them as my Lord. Now how many of you know, Abraham is an incredibly wealthy, powerful, influential uh, person. And this demonstrates something about the the, uh, ancient Eastern culture, about hospitality that we need to get a hold of today. I mean, you know, when people were traveling back then, there weren't Holiday Inns or Marriott's or Hilton's along the side of the road. There were no fast food restaurants. If you were traveling in that hot, arid place and you, and, and, and it, it came to the end of the day and it was time for you to stop, if there was not somebody nearby that had a spirit of hospitality on them and they would open up their home to you, you 're going to be in, a, in quite a predicament because it could cost you your life, no water, no food, no place, a to, uh, to roof over your head, a hostile environment. So hospitality was absolutely essential to just survival and that 's why part of why God honors and speaks so highly and actually commands us to be hospitable. Abraham here bends over backwards, he runs, he greets these total strangers. these are not friends of his, these are total strangers. He welcomes them in under the shade of his tent, and it says in the next verse that he proceeds to cook them a lavish, extravagant meal at his own expense. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read about people in the Bible that God blessed greatly, you know, obviously part of it's the sovereign hand of God and God's purpose for their life, but you know, some of it too is the character of the person that God's choosing to bless. How many of you know when you have a spirit of hospitality and you love people and you care for the stranger and you care for the hurting and you care for the broken, you set yourself up to be a person that the blessings of Abraham come over your life because this is how he was. You know, sometimes people will, well, how come I never get blessed? Well, why don't you work focus on blessing somebody instead of focusing on why you never get blessed? Uh, you won't have time to focus on why you're never getting blessed if you're too busy blessing other people. How many of you have found this to be true? People that are great blessers, they don't have to look to be blessed. Blessing overtakes them. Blessing follows them. It's just a it's just pattern of Scripture. And so Abraham was a hospitable person. He loved people. Um, and I want to bring this up. How many of you have ever found that whenever you have gone through a painful or difficult, tragic situation, trial, something in your life, that invariably God uses that situation to set you up to minister to other people who are going through the same thing? Well, how would you like to be in slavery for 400 years in Egypt? How many of you think that might leave a mark? All right. I mean, Israel's whole identity as a people centered around their captivity in Egypt for 400 years. And so what does God tell them to do? This is not in your notes again or on the screen, but this is Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. God says, I want you to remember you were strangers when you were in Egypt. And he said, don't take advantage of foreigners Love them as you love yourself. That sounds like the great commandment all the way back in Leviticus. Love the strangers as you would love yourself. Why? Because God said this. You were a stranger once. You were an alien once. You were a foreigner once. You were a slave once. And I want you to remember that and never forget it and make sure that, as, I want you to check this out. A situation that could have caused them to be embittered actually became the launch pad for their thankfulness and gratitude and generosity as a people. Isn't that amazing? Hospitality. And I want us to look at a couple other verses here. Look at uh, Romans chapter 12 with me. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Another practical, practical, practical verse. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. In other words, no hypocrisy here. Hate what is wrong Hold tightly to what is good. Look at verse 10, another practical admonition. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And look at the last part here. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I want you to see the principle. Last week he said it's the motive that precedes the movement. In other words, God's not interested in us just running around doing all kinds of good deeds if we don't get the first part of that commandment right. Loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So look at the motives involved in this verse. It's incredible. Don't pretend. That's a motive. It means don't be disgenuine. It means be authentic. Love each other with genuine affection. Look at this. When we honor each other, and I gotta, I gotta pause here. When, when, say I'm honoring Lynn, okay? Uh, maybe for her leadership in a certain area, and I and I say, Lynn, would you just stand up? I just want to honor you. Thank you so much. You know, and, and just like Aaron did with Patsy, all right? Patsy's gracious heart. There are some people that are like, no, 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 no. All the honor goes to the Lord. You know, I don't want to receive any honor. Oh, stop clapping. Y'all sit down. In other words, some people have a very difficult time receiving honor. But I, let me frame this for you. When we're complimenting somebody or giving honor to somebody I mean you know what you're honoring is the gift of God operative in that person and so what we're really doing in honoring Dick Basta for whatever it is is we're saying we recognize the grace of God the gift of God the anointing of God that's operative in you with such beauty and grace and we just say thank you He he realizes he's the donkey that Jesus is on his back riding into the city. The donkey wasn't going, hey, yeah. No, the donkey was just carrying Jesus. Are you with me? So we don't blow up our minds to think that it's all about me, aren't I wonderful? Every Everything that we have that's praiseworthy in our lives is a gift from God. So the Bible says, take the light in honoring people. Take the light in it like you love it. You love to find something in your brother or sister that you just go, oh, I love that about you. You do that so well. You do that with such grace. I mean, you know, that's not flattery unless you're doing it out of an impure motive to get something or to manipulate them. But when you're giving true honor, Jesus is the one getting the glory and that person's getting the encouragement. So the Bible says very clearly here, take delight. That means take pleasure in it. Enjoy it. Honoring people. And when God's people are in need, help them. Always be eager. Notice these motives. Eager. Not just practice hospitality because I told you so. No, that, that takes all the glory for God out of it. It says here, be eager. Look for opportunities to practice hospitality. This word hospitality comes from two words, the word friend and the word stranger. It literally means hospitable people are friends to strangers. And that's what the Lord commands us. Look, here's another good verse. First Peter Four, verses 8 and 9. It says this, most important of all, continue to show deep love. Everybody say deep love. Deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Now, let me just pause right here. brother. Right I have found that sometimes the people who take offenses most easily are the most love deficient. Because the Bible says a couple of things about love. It says, number one, it covers multitudes of sins. So Noel, since you're encouraging me along here, I'm just going to use you as an example. So if I say I love Noel, I'm not going to be able to pull out a list of 45 things that Noel did wrong or that I don't like about Noel because that's not what love does. I always get amused at couples that are in the dating season, okay, of their lives, and they say, well, do you think... You met Mr. Wonderful. Do you think you met Mrs. Wonderful? Well, and then they pull out this list of all the things that they're going to hopefully fix before they say, I do. How I many you know that's not love? Love, the Bible says, barely notices when someone does it wrong. That's why I get worried when people come to our church after they've been to 67 other churches that didn't quite do it right. Because you know what? We're going to be 68, I'm just telling you. We're 68th on the list. I'm just waiting for you to tell me that. <laughs> because here's the problem. If our lens is a lens of criticalness, if our lens is a lens of judgment, we're never going to find the positive in people. We're always going to focus on the negative. And the Bible says very clearly people that are full of the love of God are not operating that way. In fact, I mean, I mean you know, this is true. People that are full of the love of God are very difficult to offend. Well, I just can't believe. Knock it off. Quit focusing on what you can't believe. Why don't you focus on filling your heart with the love of Jesus? You'll be much happier. And here's the cool thing. Nothing around you necessarily will change, but you're going to be a whole lot happier. Or you can be focusing on being critical all the time. It's not to always the other person's problem. Did you guys hear about the phone call the husband calls his wife on the cell phone he says honey be careful I'm watching the news some idiots driving on the wrong side of the interstate uh the people are, are you know swerving on the way as this watch this there's an idiot on the interstate and she says no there's not one idiot the highway's full of idiots <laughs> y'all catch that one <laughs> she was the one driving on the wrong side of the highway but you know, when your heart's not full of love, everybody else is the idiot. Um, so let's focus on, if we're going to truly love our neighbors, how I many you know we have to have thick skin, and we have to have a heart that's full of the love of Jesus Christ. And look at what this verse says here. This This is about as practical as it could get. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. How many of you had a hard time understanding that verse? Cheerfully, everybody smile at me. Cheerfully, this is Jesus talking, not here, but I'm, cheerfully share your home. Cheerfully share your food. Does anybody have a heart? Do we need to go into the Greek on that one to flesh that out a little bit more? This is what I love about this. Now let me, I'm just going to get real practical because we've been in church a long time. I've had people say, "Hey, and I hey, hate you guys would be perfect life group leaders." I don't want anybody in my house. No way, absolutely against my. I don't want anybody coming in my house. Cheerfully, share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now, I, I bring that out as a couple exceptions to the rule over years of ministry because I just want to compliment you all. You're an incredibly gracious people. We've had people that came here on a Sunday morning with no place to stay, and they left with place to stay. We've had people here with all kinds of financial needs and needed help, and guess what? People rallying, and you know what? People love people. Here's my point. Cheerfully share your home. Did y'all catch that? I'm going to say it one more time for someone that hasn't quite awakened yet. Lava! No, I'm just kidding. All right. Cheerfully share your home. This church was birthed out of a couple that decided, you know what, we know that people are having marriage problems, we're going to open up our house to people. Now, how many of you know your house, first of all, is not, if you're a Christian, is not your house? <laughs> I just got to say that again. You know, I was just had Nate and Jen Ledke here first service, and, and if you know their story, Nate and Jen's home that they live in right now They got on an auction sale and they they didn't have the money and there was a million people there to bid on it. And the story's amazing, but at the end of the day, they believed that God wanted them to have that property. And guess what? God blessed them with that property. And here's what I love about Nate and Jen. I was just at a, at a open house, uh, graduation open house. It wasn't one of their children, but it was some of our church family's kids and they opened up their entire home and served this family by opening up their property, their house and everything. And this is what he said to me. He said, Pastor, we love, we love doing this. Oh, that sounds like cheerful, doesn't it? Pastor, we love doing this. Uh, God gave us this property. It belongs to Him and we love blessing other people with our property. Isn't that the spirit of it? How many of you, some of you, you know, we're talking about loving your neighbor. Some of you have the neighbor that worships their grass. Keep your kids off my grass. They put a sign up front. And it's like, what is this grass worship? You know, what is grass for? Playing ball, tackling your kid. I don't know what you do. A lava game. I don't care what you do, but you do something on your grass but you don't worship it you don't fertilize it so you can keep people off of it are you kidding me grass exists for a purpose your house exists for a purpose i just gotta tell you we had people kept coming into our house for years and years and years and guess what would happen sometimes someone kicks over a cup of coffee on the carpet in the living room and maybe they didn't know it or maybe they did know it, and they didn't do anything about it and maybe we didn't know about it till a month later But then you go in there and that carpet doesn't look the same. It looks like shag because there's stuff growing out of it. You know what I'm saying? For years, we would disciple teenagers on Sunday afternoons in my house. And we had life groups, kids life groups meeting all over my house. There was at times we hit the 80 teenager mark in my house on Sunday afternoon. Can you imagine that? 80 teenagers in your house. And I tell this story. It's gross, but it's absolutely true. Somebody removed the contents of their nostrils walking down the stairs from an upstairs bedroom and smeared it on one of our family photos on the wall. Now, that's not being a good neighbor. I'm just telling you this. When you open up your house to people, stuff's going to happen. My mom had an antique table. Somebody put a hot coffee cup on the table. I left a big white ring on the antique table. But here's my point. It's Jesus's antique table. And we don't worship the table or the house or the carpet. All those things serve a purpose. The purpose is to bless people. Are you catching what I'm saying here? Now, this is, I'm going to go a step deeper here. The Bible even says you cannot be a spiritual leader, an elder or a deacon, in church if you are not hospitable. Now, now this I'm going, Jesus, seriously? That one made the list? Check this out. 1 Timothy 3.2. If someone aspires to be a church leader, first of all, he desires an honorable position. I'm telling you this. Every one of you should want to... To to move into greater spiritual authority—that's a good thing. Every one of us should. It's called being mature. It's called moving and growing in the Lord. But look what verse two says. So a church church leader, and then it goes on and lists a bunch of things. But one of them says this: a church leader must enjoy having guests in his home. Holy Spirit. Seriously, you pulled that out? That does not seem like a major thing. How about they should memorize the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? They should glow in the dark because they're so full of the Holy Spirit. No, it didn't say any of that, but it did say that you need to be able to open your home and love people. Now, what, why is that such a big deal? Let me, let me check it out here. How many of you know that through the ministry of hospitality, we are actually sharing with other people what we value most? When I invite people into my home, I'm sharing me and my family with them. Anybody value your family, all right? So we share our families. I'm also sharing the house with people. I'm also sharing my finances with people. Now, having raised eight kids who have friends here at the church and at school, my house never has eight kids in it. It usually has like 88 kids in it, all right? And they're like locusts. The refrigerator is like on a revolving system, okay? And they come in and it's just like you just hear the buzz, like locusts. They're just, you know, they're eating everything. And then, and then they leave and all you see is what's left over. The wrappers and the cans. And it's like, Lord Jesus, does anybody figure out where a garbage can is in this place? And then all that food translates into money. You got to feed all these people that are eating, all these new friends you just made that are in your refrigerator. But here's the point. God says, "Do it cheerfully." Because you're because <laughs> you're you're operating like a piece of heaven on earth and you're wanting to communicate when people come into your house, which is God's house, that it is a little bastion of what heaven is like. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we share our home, we share our family, we share our money, we share our food, we share our privacy. How many of some people are just like this? Look, I work all week, I'm with people all week, I'm with some idiots all week. When I come home, I just want to come home. I don't want to be bothered at home. I don't want anybody knocking on my door. I just want my time. Oh, Jesus is gonna mess with you. Because he's saying, you know what? No, this is not your little secret hiding place you got to die to yourself, and you got to be willing that person that's knocking on that door. I mean, you know, loving your neighbor isn't always convenient. Loving your neighbor comes at times when it's not always on your to-do list, or you didn't quite have that penciled in. But guess what? That's why this is considered a godly quality for spiritual leadership, is because most of us just say no. Here's what it says on the door. Nobody, 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 nobody. And if you fit, if you fit, now I'm really messing with some of you. You're like, how did he know I had that sign on the front of my door? No. And you got 43 things listed, all right? Jehovah's Witnesses, no. I mean, you got it all on there. Hit vendors, politicians, no. I mean, you know, the Lord's just gonna send you lots of people to make you spiritual. Here, here's what I'm encouraging you make time this summer. We got three months of summer, right? Give or take. Make time to have somebody over at your house for a cup of coffee or for when you're cooking out on the on the grill. Make time. Some of you told me you started moving some of your activity in the front yard like we encourage you to when the cars drive by, and they see that, hey, you're out in the front yard. People will stop. I've had people tell me, you know, I live two houses down. I have people tell me, pastor, you're going to regret that. Because people will know where to find you. How I many you know there's healthy boundaries? I'm not saying you all come over whenever you want to. That's not to say, all right, that's not. There's healthy boundaries. But you know what? It has been the most absolute joy of our lives, living close to the church. I'm not hiding in a gated community where you got to know a passcode to find me, all right? Two houses down, Look for the thing that looks like a used car lot and kids everywhere, all right? That's where I live. Um, because here's the point. How you know Jesus was accessible to people? Now, please listen to me. If you live in a gated community, I'm not slamming you and saying you shouldn't live in a gated community. Praise the Lord. But all those people that live in that community with you should have free access to your front door. That's what I'm saying. So we should be open to loving people and open to God doing this. So I'm encouraging you this summer, be intentional to love people. I would say this. There's people in, sitting in this room right now that you've been thinking, you know what? We'd like to get to know them better. Well, stop thinking about it and set it up on the calendar and have somebody over, uh, to your house or and go, and how about this? After church. Hey, what are you guys doing? We're going to run out the Wendy's or whatever and get a hamburger. Why don't you come with us? Great. We would love to. Um, it doesn't have to be, let me just, this is another point of good hospitality. When someone opens their house to you, do not move in in other words like after that one hour dinner don't stay for the next meal all right there's boundaries of of decency there's boundaries of protocol where we keep healthy standards. But here's the point. Look for opportunities to connect. When we have these grab-and-go meals after church, grab your meal and say, hey, let's go in and sit down around a table in the fellowship hall and just spend some time eating your chicken and talking to somebody that you've been wanting to get together with. It doesn't have to take long, but that little bit of time is so important. Share your lives with somebody. Now let's quickly, the time that I have left, and I'm gonna be very, very fast. I wanna talk to you about hospitality at church, being hospitable at church. How many of you know, and this is the case right now as I'm speaking, and if you're a guest here today, the rest of this, you just just listen and say that's true, that's true, because you're a guest here, all right? Every single Sunday that we come to worship is somebody's first Sunday. I mean, just think about that. How many of you, you know you had a first Sunday here? I hope it was pleasant. Uh, you're back, so it must have been decent, all right? But how many of you know the worst thing that could happen is when someone comes over to your house and has a terrible experience because people were not very hospitable. Have you ever had someone drop in and you didn't want them to be there and you just kind of communicated, I really don't want you to be here now. Do you get the hint, 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 hint? I mean, people aren't dumb. They pick that up. I mean, you know, it's a terrible thing that churches in America could open their doors and basically communicate, if you're new here, uh, we really don't want you here a bother. Uh, we don't say that, but we communicate that in a myriad of ways. Pastor Andy Stanley said, a church is a family expecting guests." Whatever my mom, growing up in a good Southern tradition, whenever we had company coming over, that meant that the week prior we got into the work mode, all right? There were vacuum cleaners racing through the house. There were dishes being washed. There were things being wiped down. In other words, when somebody's coming and you know they're coming, there's a sense of, of getting things ready. How many of you know it's the same thing with church? And I have found this to be the case Someone that's not invested here will refer to Living Stones as Pastor Ron's church. How many of you know, I do not own this, don't want to touch it, all right? It belongs to somebody far greater than me. His name's Jesus. So I come here with you, and I happen to be blessed to be the pastor. This ain't mine. And that gives me great comfort and joy, all right? But here's what happens. They say, Pastor so-and-so's church. But people that own it, they say, this is my church. And then when they walk through the parking lot, and there's a a beer bottle somebody threw from the weekend on the grass, they stop and they pick it up because it's my church. And they own what needs to be done to get ready for the people that God's sending because it's his church, but it's my church, and I want to be able to care for people and let them know we're excited about you being here. Does this make sense? So hospitality extends in the four walls of the local church. In fact, it's, it's incredibly important there. If you are part of a body of Christ followers and people come in that are guests and nobody loves them, nobody shakes their hand, nobody greets them, nobody cares about them. And I just want to say this, if you're a guest here today, and you could somehow sneak through this crazy bunch of people without having anybody hug you, love you, introduce themselves to you, um, then we have majorly failed you. But I'll just say this, I don't think it can happen, because uh, generally speaking, we're pretty good at that. And I want to encourage you, it's, this is not just like, oh, we'll try, to, we'll try to recognize if there's somebody new. I mean, you know, if there is somebody new here, they were our neighbors sent by God into this place so that we could love them. In other words, we need to be looking for guests for the sole purpose of making sure they sense, feel, experience the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, we're commanded to do that. It's a commandment. So let me get real practical here about a, a culture of... Service. I'm gonna hit these fast and furious. Number one, Pastor Dick hit it. How many know we gotta follow our leader? If God said this, I didn't come here to be served, but I came here to seek and save lost people. I came here to serve people. That's what Jesus said. When I graduated from Taylor University, which leads me to my second point, turning in our titles for towels, at graduation ceremony, Taylor University has a unique tradition. They hand you your diploma, but with your diploma, which has a title on it, they hand you a simple, plain, nondescript, white towel. And the reason they give you a towel is to remind all the graduates that they're not going out pursuing titles and position and power, that we're going out in Jesus' name with a towel to wash people's feet and to serve people and to care for people and to love people. Isn't that great? So the purpose of your education is not so you can go out and take over the world. The purpose of your education is to uniquely equip you to serve and love people. What a great reminder. How many of you know when you come to church, it's not about the titles that we wear. It's about the towels that we wear. And I heard somebody say this one time, and it's so good. You never know you're a true servant until you're treated like one. That's what separates the men from the boys because when we serve somebody and everybody fawns over us and goes, oh, that's so awesome. You're just the best little server. Then we feel pretty good about ourselves. How many of you know when we serve and we get nada, at least in terms of acknowledgement and recognition, that's when we know we've really moved into the spirit of service, the kind of service Jesus talks about. Now again, we're, we're gonna major on a lot of things, generosity. We wanna be a generous church, amen. We want to be generous in honoring people. We're going to honor people. But I'm just saying this to bring it into balance. When we truly move in a spirit of service, there's many times what you do will go unnoticed. But you know what? It's never unnoticed by the one for whom we're meant to do it to. There's always an audience of one. All of our acts of service are always noticed, recognized, and celebrated by Jesus Christ. Let me quickly go to number three. Let's make sure we're here, meaning at church, for other people. Now, how I many know we live in a consumeristic culture where everything's about us? Most people choose church on the basis of what it does for them or on the basis of the programs that that church offers or whatever. I'm not saying any of that is necessarily wrong uh, in and of itself. But here's my point. When we come here, what would happen if we shifted and it wasn't all about me and my needs or whatever? What if we came here, every single one of us, and our focus was on who can I bless today? In other words, I'm here to be the church. I'm not here just to receive a message or I'm not here just to, to, I I like two out of the three of the songs they chose for worship or, you know what, they need some brighter lights or that music. Can you guys adjust the sound back there? I I get all that stuff, but how many know that's not why we're here. We're here for people. We're here to love people. We're here to love, you're here to love the person in the row that God providentially placed next to you this morning. And if you don't know them, the first thing you do when you get here is get to know the person seated right next to you. And if you know them, it's a great time to connect with them. How about this one? Now, This is the Holy Spirit, because I'm messing with some of you. Now, I didn't know. I'm up here worshiping, and the reason I stand up here is I don't want any of you to bother me during my worship. So I didn't know who showed up late today. I was like, here. All right, don't you be judging me. This is the Holy Spirit nailing you. Lava. All right, here we go. Good job. If we were coming for other people, when would you get here? If you were expecting guests at your house. Oh, 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 oh. now nah, I'm really messing with you. The pot roast is in the oven. 14 people are standing on your front porch, but you're at Walmart. I'll be there in a little bit. Let me just ask you if your guests felt honored as they stand out on your front porch, smelling the pot roast coming through the windows. You hear what I'm saying? It's a shift. It's a shift. I'm not here just to slide in and slide out. I'm here for somebody. I'm here to help set the table. I'm here to make sure that our guests are served and that they're well loved. Is this making sense to anybody? In fact, I'm just telling you, I have found this to be the case. Many times when we are hurting, it becomes all about us because the pain is so great. But I found this to be true as well. People that are able to crawl outside of the pain and find somebody else that they can bless are the ones that are on the track to the fastest healing in their lives. I've also found this. People that are most hurting many times are the ones who take offenses the fastest Because it's all about them, and it's all about everybody else that let them down. And let me just tell you, the fastest way to get healed is make it about somebody else. Quit being offended about what you are not receiving, and start finding somebody to bless. And then you end up you end up having the blessings overtake you. How many? Raise your hand if if what I'm speaking is true because you've experienced. All right. I'm not saying we don't ever have knees or we don't ever need to be the focus. That's what the church is for. But listen, you're never going to get any trajectory in your faith if it's always all about you. This, this right here is about setting the table for people to experience Jesus and to come to know him and for guests to come to a church and go, Wow, I was overwhelmed by the treatment I received when I walked in that place. How many of you know that honors Jesus? Amen? That honors Jesus. Let's build some great friendships. I found that the way that you get to know people the best is by serving. When I come in here early every Sunday morning, guess who's here with me? It's the worship team. And you know what? They're warming up their instruments, the sound crew back there. They're doing their sound thing, trying to get everything working right. And you know what's happening? There's a lot of fun and there's a lot of laughter and there's a lot of people that, they're not here at seven o'clock in the morning because they want to be up early on a Sunday morning. They're here because there are people here. They're here because they believe in what they're doing. They're here because their mission's focused. They're here because they want to bless people and use their gifts. That's how it works. It's incredible. And let me just say this, last point. Let's have fun, and let's grow together. I heard somebody say, the head grows by taking in, but the heart grows by giving out. Isn't that good? Your head will grow by what you receive, what you learn, what you study, but your heart will grow by what you give out. And sometimes we got Mr. Potato Potato Heads in the church. Big old potato head, big old ears, Little arms, little feet. What's that all about? That's because you're coming every week to get something new that you can store away in your head. You're a Mr. Potato Head, I'm sorry. So how do you get your body into proper positioning and proper context by serving people, by loving people? So let me end by saying this. My expectation as a pastor is that if you've been here for any length of time, you're serving somewhere in the body. Now, some of you are serving in a lot of places right now. I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking to, how many of you know the goal of the church is not for you to come, find a place to sit, hear a sermon, wor- worship, and leave. That's not the goal. The goal is that we're on mission together, we're loving people together, we're serving people together, and we're building the kingdom together, which means, here's, here's an invitation from your pastor. Every single one of you that's not yet on a team right now, I would love for you to join the team. Well, pastor, how do you do that? I'm so glad that you asked. That little card in your guide, in your program, in your bulletin, I don't even know what to call it because these things are so new, bulletin. Um, What we're asking, and Andrew pointed out a good point to me this morning. He said, pastor, make sure if they're already serving on these teams, they still fill this out because what we're doing is, how many of you know we're, we're preparing for a big party uh, as, that, as that facility gets built? Uh, I mean, we're adding a giant foyer to welcome people. How many of you know as well, like when you pull into our parking lot, I'm gonna give you a hint. What is the purpose of the parking team? It is not to park cars. Isn't that amazing? It's a paradox. Yes, cars will get parked, but you know what the first purpose of the parking lot team is? You're the first faces that anybody sees when they pull on this property. You know what we want to see? Happy people. (laughs) Excited people. Service people. Let me get that for you. Some poor mom's coming out. She's got a baby in one arm, a diaper bag in the other. She's got three little ankle biters hanging on one ankle, and she's trying to get into church. You ain't just parking cars. You're picking up babies. You let me carry that bag for you. You're making sure from the parking lot to the door that person is loved and cared for and valued, with a smile on your face, and you made sure the car you know got parked. But that's not the main agenda. And you saying, Pastor, if I sign up for the parking lot team, does that mean I'm going to be in the parking lot till Jesus comes? No, I promise. Scouts honor, whatever that is. I mean, you know, if we just, had, if we just if we had a quarter of you in this place today that would just say, you know what, I want, I'll do the parking lot. And, and you don't have to be a male. You can be a female, all right? This is not like we have gender-specific parking people. We just want happy people in the parking lot that love people and want to serve people. I love parking. Somebody said, Pastor, what are you doing on the parking lot? It could be a lot of reasons, but I love connecting with people when they get here. How about you? It's fun. None of this is like you're going to put a gun to your head and say, Larry, you got to serve, buddy. In parking lot, I see it written all over your forehead. Remember what the Bible says. Cheerfully. We're loving people. We need some ushers. We need some greeters. If you're already an usher or greeter, please fill this out again and just check that out because what we're doing is we're starting to get our teams built because right now we do not have enough. Our parking situation is not good. It's not because people aren't trying. It's because we don't have enough help. Uh, sometimes you come to first service, we don't have greeters at our door. That's a problem. Imagine a guest came to your house and you just sat in the bedroom and waited for them to find you. <laughs> we're here. Hello. And finally they weave through your house and they find you in the corner in the bedroom. Hey, we're we're here. No, that's not how it's supposed to be. Let me just tell you, it's going to get worse before it gets better, because we're about fixing to blow up most of our building and tear it down, and we're going to have people parking on the west side of this building that, apart from the Holy Spirit and two angels, they will not get into this sanctuary, all right, unless you and I help. So guess what you get to be? An angel in disguise. We get to serve people. We get to make sure they navigate through the facility. We get to make sure that they're greeted out there. If they got a long walk, they got arms full, we're helping people. If it's raining, we're gonna carry some umbrellas. We're going to love people cheerfully. Are you guys catching this vision? Because I'm not just casting a vision. I need these cards filled out like in a hurry. So we're gonna pause right now. That's your cue. Pastor needs this card filled out. I. W- just turn to your neighbor and say, I wonder who he's talking about serving on these teams. All right, just, just do that right now. And then you turn to the person next to you and say, I think he might mean you. All right, just tell him that, just in case there's any confusion. Let me just say this. You might be visiting today. Pastor, are you talking to me? Absolutely, because if you come back next week, I would like you to be greeting people in the parking lot. All right. I'm halfway joking, um, because that's one way to meet people, all right? That's really a great way to meet people and get connected. So here's the deal. We're going to have our ushers at the doors with some baskets on the way out. Drop this in. You're saying, Pastor, I just, I'll just i serve wherever. Great. Check off all three. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to serve on all three teams. It means we will place you where you fit best. And last thing I'll say, right at the bottom is when we're going to have a follow-up meeting to do a tiny little bit of training and to cut you loose. But we are going to cheerfully be hospitable and love the neighbors that God actually is taking the time to send right here in our living room. Isn't this great? Uh, those are the ones that should be easiest to love. Amen? All right. Stand to your feet. Marriage class today at four o'clock. Fathers, we're going to honor the daylights out of you next Sunday. So make sure you come on out. It's going to be a great, great celebration. We got a gift for you we'll be giving away some special uh, gift cards to places that dads love to shop, all right? So it's gonna be good. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for challenging us to love radically like you do with, with a towel, on our knees, serving people, feeding people, opening our homes to people, doing whatever it takes to release the love of Jesus amongst our neighbors, in our church family, and wherever we go, Lord, we're on assignment right now. We're getting ready to leave the building. And Lord, when we leave this building, we're on mission. So Lord, help us to love well. Help us to demonstrate what God's kingdom looks like. Lord, we'll give you all the glory and the praise. We thank you in advance for the fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.